All right. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday to me tomorrow. <laughs> when you get to be this age, you're glad to live another year and be able to celebrate. Before I forget, and that's one thing that happens when you get old as well, um, at the end of the service today, uh, we will receive the offering in the, in the back. And so uh, most of you are... Um, know the different ways to give, and uh, so there's all kinds of ways to do that, and uh, we receive the offering at the end of the service, and so if you'll keep that in mind, and uh, we haven't forgotten, we just uh, rearranged the order of service, and uh, so you can do that then. We've been doing that for two or three weeks, I believe now, so we'll see how that works. We missed Pastor Chris, <clears throat> two Sundays in a row he missed. Tell you what, he was sick last Sunday. Uh, got, he was here at um, 7.30, right before service time. He was tossing cookies and stuff. And, and <laughs> so that's the kind of time you don't say, suck it up, buttercup. You know, it's like, go home. <laughs> you got to go home. And uh, Pastor Adam stepped in on the spur of the moment, did an admirable job uh, last Sunday, didn't he? Uh, on... Uh, Planting flags. That's a good message. Um, now, Pastor Chris was, I, th- I think, going to introduce the series um, before he got sick. And uh, my understanding is that he wants, he wants different perspectives on Thanksgiving presented by different age groups. <clears throat> And I'm just inferring from our conversation that he wants me to do the old part. It's just so I'm going to share a little bit from my perspective, um, more toward the end of the service, uh, that that aspect of Thanksgiving. But when I when I think about Thanksgiving, uh, the first scripture reference that pops into my mind is um, Paul's threefold command in our text. Uh, he says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this passage answers a question that many people are asking and with which they're struggling, and it's, what is God's will for my life? And I believe some of the best advice that, that can give a person who is looking for God's will is to, to start acting upon what you already know to be God's will. And if you begin to put into practice what you understand already, then God will begin to reveal his will to you on a day-by-day basis as you, as you go along. And so if you're wondering how to um, start, this is a fantastic place to start. Start right here. This, this is God's will for you. Uh, the phrase for you in Christ Jesus is simply referring to those who are believers, those who are in Christ. And the message paraphrases it correctly like this. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. So here's God's will for your life. And it includes all three of these things. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, we could spend time on all three of these commands, but uh, we're going to um, 
concentrate on the one that relates to thanksgiving. Uh, God's will for us is to give thanks in all things. Now, obviously, it's not God's will for us to, to thank him for murders, and those kinds of things. You know, we, we understand that. But it is obviously his will for us not to go around complaining about how life is treating us or to grumble and whine about our circumstances or to compare what we don't have with what others have and then bellyache. But Christ wants us, rather than facing life with negativity and pessimism, to face life with gratitude and thanksgiving. It's a big deal that we do this. Uh, most people in the world around us are ungrateful. And in fact, almost anyone with whom you interact or talk, if you ask, how are things going with you? And all of a sudden you get this litany of complaints and uh, aches and pains and, and how they're mistreated and all the things that, that are going on in their life, how stressed they are. Just understand that that's not abnormal for an unbeliever. In fact, uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, uh, when he characterizes the unregenerate in, that, uh, in those uh, couple of verses, he says in the last days, these people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so right in the middle of all that, that list of a description of unbelievers is that word ungrateful, unthankfulness. That's not even a word, is it? Thanklessness. Ingratitude. And so that's normal for an unbeliever to respond that way. But it's not acceptable for a believer. Not acceptable. Uh, God wants us as true followers of him to, um, to be grateful in all circumstances. Now, I believe that a good gauge of one's spirituality, and you can apply this to, to, to your own self, is to ask yourself, am I a joyful person? Do I rejoice always? Or pray continually? Is my first go-to response in situations to, to go to God in prayer? Or thankful in all things, in all circumstances? Am I a thankful kind of person? Now, most people want to measure their spirituality on the basis of externals. I attend church probably two out of two times out of the month. I'm in, I'm in church, so I'm, I'm a church attender. And I, or I give my money. Or I, I, I'm involved in ministry. Here, here's my ministry service that I've done this year. Or they try to avoid things, like, you know, I haven't murdered anybody this year. That's, and I haven't beaten my wife or kids you know, in the last couple of months. Um, 
I haven't, you know, no, I haven't robbed anybody, haven't raped anyone, haven't committed adultery, um, all these kind of externals. But the external things, each of those, can be either avoided or practiced in a hypocritical way. But I believe a person who is truly spiritual, truly right with God, and God's spirit is at work in their hearts, you really can't fake joy or prayerfulness or thanksgiving. Those are things that come out of the heart that's produced there by the Holy Spirit. And so when you ask yourself, am I, am I a person who rejoices all the time? Am I a prayerful person? Am I a thankful person? That's a better gauge of where you are in your walk with God. Now, the reason it's a big deal is people take note of those who are grateful and thankful in their hearts. And they are attracted to people like that. A thankful spirit honors God. A God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who provides for our needs, a God who has the power to work everything out in our life for our good and for his glory. And so when we give God thanks, it draws attention. But for a believer to go around complaining all the time or bellyaching or grumbling uh, or down the muddy grubs, however you want to describe that, in essence, that is a slap in the face of our God who we say loves us and cares for us and provides for us. And every time we gripe, we're just like slapping God. No, he's not taking care of me. He's not providing for me like he said he would. What a poor testimony. And so it is a big deal in the life of the believer. Uh, ingratitude is not to be a part of our lives. God's will is that we respond with gratefulness. Now, when we look at reasons to thank God, there are so many. And in fact, the Bible lists... Uh, no, we'd be here all morning if we tried to enumerate the things in the Bible that God gives us for which we can give thanks. Uh, so I'm not going to even start. So you read the Word of God. They're, they're there. There's tons of them. But apart from what we find in the Word of God, all you need to do is just look around. And there are so many reasons, good reasons, to give God thanks. Just look at nature. God's creation. How can you not give God thanks? Some of the sunsets, they're beautiful. Um, I, I had the privilege of bicycling across the country this, this summer. And there were so many numerous places that my heart just, just, it just burst out. Praise just welled up. As, you know, the, the majesty of God's creation. It elicits that kind of response of praise. What a, what a great God. What a great God we serve. Amen. And so nature, the beauty of nature, uh, brings forth praise. The love of our family and friends. That's another reason to thank God. My wife has loved me for 40-some years. Every second of every day. Uh, of, every, of every day of that 47 years, almost. <laughs> she should have. 
<laughs> don't take that for granted. You know, the love of our family, the love of friends, if you miss that, that that's, that's a horrible thing. So thank God that, that we have that. Health and wholeness. Don't take your health for granted. I know firsthand what cancer, what cancer is like. I've had cancer, the chemo, the radiation, all the junk that goes with that. And from that time on, I've never taken my health for granted. God healed me. I give God thanks for that. Every, every time I think of the fact that God blessed me with health and strength and wholeness. And not just physically, but, but there's spiritual wholeness that God gives us. In fact, uh, spiritual blessings are another reason to thank God. Uh, he's redeemed us. Amen. He didn't leave us in our sins. He redeemed us from them. He placed us in his beloved family. And we get to experience part of his kingdom now as well as the kingdom to come. Amen. And even life itself, life itself is a tremendous gift from God. And so for that, we give him thanks. So living a life of gratitude means giving God thanks. List of stuff in the Bible for which to thank him. Look around. You see all these wonderful reasons to thank God. But now, Paul says, live a life of gratitude in all circumstances. So that would include then giving thanks to God when we face unexpected hardships. Or challenging difficulties. Or crushing disappointments in our life. Facing situations like those with gratitude teaches us whole new perspective on those issues, those problems in life. And it produces growth in us as a result. You know, James, the very practical book in James chapter 1, he says, consider it pure joy. Now, he didn't say it's pure joy, but consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, which in turn makes you mature and complete and lacking nothing. Now, I'm sure if you're anything at all like me, you immediately burst out with the purest joy upon encountering unexpected hardships. Right? Just like I do. I'm sure just exactly like I do. But truth is, most of us respond with something like this. Why me? God, I've tried to serve you all my life or most of my life. I'm trying to follow you. And this happens to me. Why me? I suppose one benefit of being old like me, and tomorrow I do get to add another uh, year to my cumulative age. uh, And one benefit is uh, that we've accumulated some history. And um, we old geezers have a little bit of... um, history behind us uh, and things, experiences that we can draw from. And one thing I'm learning is that when tragedies come, rather than ask, why me? Ask instead, what for? What for? Because that, that question, what for, if we pursue that challenge with that mindset, that challenge can be turned around into a blessing for somebody else. Now, I'll tell you, it's not easy at all to respond 
in a positive way. For one thing, when difficulties and disappointments arise, they usually happen unexpectedly, often, and we forget. We just simply forget to rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances. The fact is we're tempted to do the opposite most of the time. We complain. We worry. We're full of anxiety. We become angry. We we forget that God is in control of our lives. Some of you might be wondering if if I'm going to use some of the experiences from my bicycle trek across the country uh, this summer as illustration. And the answer is yes. <laughs> I found it. Um, I found it amazing how enlightening it was, both in my through hike of the Appalachian Trail and the cross country uh, cycling trek, uh, to see parallels in the experiences of those adventures, parallels to life on a larger scale in general. There, there are parallels. And, and the things that maybe I'll share with you wouldn't mean a whole lot to you. But to me at the moment, they were probably blown out of perspective and big. Um, for, you know, just, just to let you know, um, bicycling 5,000 miles is not just a ride in the park. Um, some days it was nice, but... A lot of days, you know, some tough, tough days. And so one, one of those, uh, Tom, my brother-in-law, uh, started with me on this ride. We were almost uh, through Kansas, and we were having some hard days. Uh, even though it was flat, the landscape was barren. If you've ever been through Kansas, uh, the western part of Kansas, there's no, there's no trees, nothing. Not any houses, it's just... Nothing. Uh, and so we, we had anticipated the pleasure of riding through Kansas with this level terrain. Um, all those mountainous states, we were just looking forward to Kansas. But it was, it was that level ground was more than offset by the horrific, uh, relentless headwinds that, as we rode westward. In fact, the local cattle ranchers and farmers <clears throat> expressed it pretty good. They said, the only thing out here to stop the wind is barbed wire. And that's, that's about it. And, and truthfully, I'd rather, much rather climb a mountain all day uh, than to ride into a headwind. Because at least the mountain blocks the, the wind and uh, gives you some relief. And so by the, by the end of most of those days, we were exhausted. And so we were fortunate, had been fortunate through some of the ride to uh, experience some wonderful hospitality and kindnesses of many churches and some fire stations and so forth that would uh, open their doors and allow us to throw down our mat and our sleeping bag uh, in a classroom or somewhere inside their facilities to get out of the wind. And, and, and storms, which are pretty common uh, that time of the year out in the Midwest. So after this particularly trying day, uh, we arrived in Tri- Tribune, Kansas, <clears throat> last day before entering Colorado. Uh, the winds were horrible and uh, really high gusts uh, above the, the higher sustained wind and storms forecast uh, for that evening. <clears throat> so we Googled 
AG churches, Assembly of God churches, uh, found one in the city, and we rode out there to inquire about the possibility of overnight sleeping, get out of the, the weather. And so we met and uh, talked with the pastor's wife, really, really nice lady. Uh, there was other people there as a board member, and um, they said, it shouldn't be any problem. And they even showed us the gymnasium and nice place to throw down and said, uh, that, that, that'll work really well for you. I thought, yeah, that's going to work really well. Uh, but the pastor's wife said, we, need, we really need to just run it by my husband. You know, I'm sure it'll be okay, but we need to get him his final approval. So she said, he's not around. He's out. He'll be back in about an hour. So you guys want to go get lunch? Come back. It'll be all right. So we did. We went out and ate. Hour and a half later, came back. And we waited on the pastor to come. A little bit later, we saw the pastor's wife walking down the sidewalk toward us. <clears throat> and uh, she informed us that her husband said, <clears throat> we don't do that. Uh, we've never done that before. And uh, even when we have guest speakers, they don't sleep in the church building overnight. And so I immediately considered it pure joy. (laughs) For one thing, I was furious that he exhibited such cowardice in uh, sending his wife to deliver the glad tidings. Uh, rather than presenting himself, which probably was a good, good thing. Um, I was uh, further incensed that a fellow pastor of my particular tribe would respond with such lack of Christ-likeness. So now we had no option but to head to the city park to camp out in the approaching storm. And so with a great deal of difficulty, we managed to, to get our tents up in the gusting wind. And later that evening, at the entrance to the restrooms on the, around the ball field, uh, we struggled to heat a can of, um, I think it was um, sirloin, uh, grilled sirloin and vegetable soup, uh, to, without the flame going out on our stove. Then after we ate, we just sat there and shivered in the cold, uh, in the cold wind uh, while we ate. All the while, rejoicing, giving thanks. <laughs> it was about then that God showed that he was in control. No, the pastor didn't come back and get us. But right at dusk, Matthew Fox, young man from Frederick, Maryland, rode up on his bike. He too was really tired, so we helped him set up and we chatted with him while he fixed dinner. And over the course of the next several days, we rode together. And uh, he, Tom and I, we had so many conversations about God and the, the opportunity to show Christ to him. When we got to Pueblo, Colorado, we parted ways. And, I, and it, we could tell it was really a, difficult for him to, to leave. And so he took the more direct route to the Pacific. And we followed the Transamerica route uh, up north through the Rockies. 
But we still stay in touch uh, with Matt. And um, he's a wonderful young man. And so after he came in and we started talking, that night as I lay in my tent, I did feel absolute joy in my heart as I thanked God for his will being done and not mine. It was very windy, but thank God the thunderstorm never materialized, and I really slept well after the announcer for the softball games went home and shut his mouth. (laughs) But I still have a hard time thinking of that pastor as a superstar, community-minded leader, but I have refrained (laughs) from informing him of my opinion. Because I believe it could be that God put that ridiculously sorry excuse into his head at that moment so that his will would be done. Let me just say, I've never had a special speaker come to our church ever in my 40-some years of ministry carrying a sleeping bag expecting to sleep in the church. (laughs) Never have. But listen, it it helps to keep in mind Paul's words about our circumstances. In our text, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. And then all of you know Romans 8.28, he proclaims, and we know that all things work together, that God works together for the good of those who love him. Now, circumstances are things, right? And so we can say that God is working in all things slash circumstances for our good. Now I want to challenge you today or sometime in the very near future. Think back on your life and think specifically of times, of moments where you faced difficulties or disappointments or trials of some kind. And maybe like me, you didn't respond as Paul commands us to. But I want you to to look back on that through the eyes of what happened as a result of that, which would probably not have happened had I not encountered that issue, that situation. Because I believe if we look back, we'll see that God worked something for good in that situation that maybe we overlooked. And so it's still not too late to give God thanks for it. And if you say, well, I can't find anything, well, still go ahead and believe that God's working it for good. And one of these days in eternity, we'll understand. We'll understand then. And so gratitude, I discovered, is not a spontaneous emotion that automatically bursts from us. But it's a spiritual discipline that must be cultivated. The discipline involves acknowledging that all that I am and all that I have and all that touches me is a gift of God and his love. And as a gift is to be celebrated. That includes the obvious blessings for which we can thank God, as well as the less obvious ones that are camouflaged and disguised as as trials and hardships through which God's working his purpose in our lives. And so we get to choose how we will respond 
to situations in our life. How do you look at life with its circumstances? Well, the fly and the bumblebee is an illustration I read about these guys. Um, a fly might go into a garden full of beautiful flowers, but if there's a pile of feces or dung or excrement or defecation or poo or whatever you, have you, whatever you call it, <laughs> if there's, there's a pile, the, the fly will occupy itself with the feces. But a bumblebee, in contrast, it might go into a garbage heap where it's surrounded by all this rotting trash and garbage. But if there's one rose or one beautiful flower, the bumblebee will fly to it and spend its time around what is beautiful. And so the fly would be attracted to the waste of the world while the bee would be giving thanks for the rose in the midst of the trash. So which are you? Are you a fly or a bumblebee? Let me just say, yes, comma, it happens. And the reason I put the comma there is I don't want you to carry over the last part of the first word. <laughs> yes, life has its share of issues. And when we're tempted to see something as a problem or a nuisance or a matter of anxiety or worry, if we'll view it through the eyes of gratitude and thank God for the new challenge in front of us, then that serious problem will become an all thing working together for our good with the God of all power who is with us. And so give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you. I want to close by giving thanks for my station in life at this present time. So as an old person, I'm privileged to be called Pappy by my grandkids. I have seven grandkids, and if you're offended by me calling them kids, they are little goats, okay? (laughs) I love... I have seven grandchildren. About a month ago, or maybe a little bit longer, I got to uh, spend a couple of weeks with uh, four of my grandkids in Tyler, Texas. Uh, my daughter broke her foot, and so um, four littles, I, um, I went to help her. So I was so glad to see them. So glad to spend those wonderful days with them. And then after two and a half weeks, so very glad to board the plane and head back home so I could recover. <laughs> and then earlier this week, uh, Linda and I went down and um, picked up our uh, other three grandchildren and brought them here this week to uh, attend kids' turn. So we had them all week. And um, I'm still trying to get some rest. Any other grandparents identify with that? Yeah. It's great. It's great being a grandparent because of the, of the ability to escape. Man, you can, you can wrestle with those kids. You know, if the families are here, you can, you can just, you can get them all stirred up and then let the parents put them to bed that night. It's great. And I, and I love them and I have so much fun with them. But listen, parenting 
is for younger folks. Grandparenting is the reward of not killing your kids <laughs> while rearing them. <laughs> yeah. And so you parents, if you are on the verge of killing your kids, let them survive, okay? And then if you survive all that, then one day you get the fun of being called a grandparent. It is fun. No, I absolutely love my three children with all my heart. Uh, Linda and I were not perfect parents. And I'm not sure that such creatures even exist. We made our mistakes as we bumbled through parenthood. But we tried to instill in our children godly principles and the blessings of following Christ. And we still do that as much as possible. But now that our children are out of the nest, much of the stress of parenthood is lessened, although it never totally goes away. But we now have the opportunity to extend and expand our influence to our grandchildren. And I want you to know, as a grandparent, you have an amazing impact upon your kids, your grandkids. What you say, they believe. They watch how you live. They watch how you act. They don't miss anything. So you can tell them anything. But be careful what you say. This past week, I think Friday morning, we were having breakfast. And my brother has just sent me a picture of this huge buck he'd killed. And uh, Micah said, hey, Pappy, do you ever go deer hunting? I said, well, I used to hunt a lot. He said, would you ever kill any deer? I said, yeah, killed a lot of deer. He said, well, how how old were you when you killed your first deer? I said, Micah, it's hard to remember back that far. But I said, I think... I think I was probably about two years old. I still had a diaper on. And his eyes got real big and said, oh, you're joking, Pappy. But it took you for a minute. He, he was along with me there for a minute. But they will, they will believe what you tell them. And so as a grandparent, we, we can enlarge our influence and reinforce what their parents are teaching them. We get to encourage them. We get to hug and love on them. We get to affirm them, support them, let them know that we believe in them, and remind them that they have wonderful parents who also love them. And that's the joy of my station in life at this time. But that joy, and the exciting thing for this is, that joy carries over into other areas of my life as well at this particular time. I remember a former superintendent of our district, uh, Dr. Roden, uh, making this statement as he retired um, from being leader of the Potomac Network. He said uh, he would love to be looked upon as a grandfather to the ministers of our district. Now that means a whole lot more to me than it did. That statement means a lot more than it did back then. Because Pastor Chris and this church, in a fairly unique way, has made it possible for me to assume a somewhat grandfatherly role in this congregation. And I love it. 
It allows me to still enjoy being with the people that I love without the stress of being the parent or the leader or the pastor. I get to encourage people. I get to hug and love on them, affirm them, support them, let them know that I believe in them and remind them that they have a wonderful pastor who really loves them. And that's my station in life at this time. And I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. So my fellow oldies, we still get to influence and impact the new, younger generation of awesome families that are around us by being grandparents to them. And so that means that we have to be careful not to be old, grouchy, bah humbug, has-been old fogies. But strive to be edifying and encouraging and loving and happy, supporting them in every way with our love and our prayers. And we can still have a positive impact upon those that follow us, and we can still leave a legacy behind. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together, please. Hallelujah. I believe I'm generally a thankful person. I've still got a lot of ways to go. Work on that. May each of us strive to express gratitude for all the blessings God's given us, as well as some of those disguised blessings that come to us in the form of difficulties. And let's give God thanks for all of those things. Amen. Let's just do it right now. Lord, we bless you. You are so good, far more than we deserve. You blessed us in so many ways. I just pray, God, that you'll let this season of the year in which we, we focus and concentrate upon giving thanks, may this be a time where we develop the habit and cultivate that discipline of giving thanks to you in all circumstances, realizing that's your will for our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.